I need to ask a quick favor of you. As a lot of y'all know, at the top of next year, I have a book entitled Theologizing Bigger Dropping. In anticipation of that book, I have to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can to launch that book successfully when the time comes. And one of the ways I'm doing that is by rolling some things out through my newsletter. Now, if you could subscribe to my newsletter, that would be a huge help for me. And it won't cost you a thing unless you really want to support, and there's an option to do that too. You can do that at pastortray 5 substackcom Once again, that's pastortray 5substackcom And as an added bonus, you might even like some of the stuff you see being posted over there. So if you're not a hater, go ahead and sign up for that. Invite a friend to do it, and we're going to have us a mighty good time. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Ah, beloved. I'm Pastor Trey, and you're now listening to the New Living Translation. This is Bonafide Bible Talk, because God speaks my language too, and I'm sure enough about to act like it. Let's go. Y'all ready for a pop quiz? What does it mean to be saved? I'm going to give you a second. All right. That was a couple of seconds. I was really generous with that pop quiz. What does it mean to be saved? Yes, we know that Jesus died to save us from our sins. But what does that mean? Yes, the wages of sin is death. But what does it mean? I'm not saying that it doesn't mean any of these things. I'm saying that a lot of times we use language and rhetoric that becomes so naturalized to us that we miss out on opportunities to reflect on exactly what it is that we're talking about here. This gift that some of us frankly take for granted at times. What does it mean to be saved? I'm not talking about what it means to join a church community. I'm not talking about what it means to be a Christian. I'm asking when we talk about salvation, what is it that we are talking about? I'm not talking about salvation from sin in the abstract. I'm asking about something more specific. What is the condition that we have been left to that demands deliverance, rescue, maybe even liberation? This whole season, we've been talking about love as an act of liberation. If it is to be believed that God is love, that love is the motivator, the engine behind all that God does. What does it mean for us in terms of liberation, that God moves on behalf of those people in need of assistance, of deliverance, of rescue, liberation, salvation, all of these things are synonyms for the same thing, that God moves on behalf of people who need to be freed from something. Now, what that something is, has been debated for centuries upon centuries. That's something that I'm hoping that we can talk a little bit about today. You see, I'm not here to deny that salvation is from sin, even if I think that that framing is often a little nebulous. When we talk about sin, some of us think about the, the list of do nots, don't lie, cheat, steal, fornicate, bad websites, all that good stuff. Yes, those are indeed sins, but the idea that God needs to save us from those things is a little hard 
to wrap our minds around when we start doing a little digging and realize that God is not only concerned with saving us from our sins, but God is concerned with saving us from sin in general. We talked about this a bit on the birth of a matrix episode and things of that nature, that sin isn't merely about the actions and the thoughts, but sin is a reality, a reality that we are born into. And I'm not making this up. This is actually what the Bible says, that we inherit sin. Before we even do anything, we are born into a world that is marked, defined, and shaped by sin. We are sinners because of where we find ourselves. It's a biblical truth. It's kind of like how we're earthlings because we were born on earth. Or if you're in the United States of America and you were born here, then you are an American by citizenship. You didn't have to pass any sort of citizenship test. You don't even have to speak English. You were born here. You're a naturalized citizen. How this whole sinner thing works. We were born in a place that is defined by sin. We were born within the boundaries of sin. And that is what makes one a sinner before we even factor in anything that they do. Now we can talk about how being born in a place that's shaped by sin actually forms your habits and then you start doing things that can rightfully be called sins. But that's not what this particular episode is about. You see, sin is not hospitable to the flourishing that God had in mind for all of creation. And that's why in the creation account provided in Genesis, we see that God takes time ordering things. God sets up a world that can sustain itself. And all of these things God calls good. The sky, the land, the plants, the animals, humanity, all things called good. And after six days of creating this world, God then rests on the seventh day. Almost as if to say that my work here is done. I came to set things in order. And on the seventh day, I was finished. And now, I'ma just chill. So in this particular episode of Translation, I wanna talk about what that means for us in the here and now. And in doing so, we're going to have us some bona fide Bible talk about Hebrews chapter 4, the first 13 verses. Let's get into it. So we got to watch out. We're not trying to get caught slipping when it comes to God's promise of chilling. We heard the same good news everybody else heard, but hearing ain't help them none. Because they ain't think that God's word was bond. We know word is bond though, so we're going to chill. Because God said, I was mad as hell when I saw they never know what chilling was like. I swear it. But from the beginning, God had finished laying out everything that needed to be laid out. Somewhere God talked about the seventh day like this. And on that seventh day, God chilled from all that working. Same place, God said, they ain't never going to chill with me. So since some people still ain't never chill with God, and since some folks who done heard about the fact that God chill was too hard-headed to chill with God, God set up another time. And God called that time today. Because way after God said that, God talked again through David. And just like that other scripture, he said, Today, if you hear God talking to you, don't be hard-headed. If Joshua was the one that showed him how to chill, then God wouldn't have still been talking about chilling at some other time by then. So there's still this idea of chilling for God's people. 
And anyone who chills with God gets to break from the grind, just like God did. I mean, we got to do everything we can to chill with God so we don't end up hard-headed like the mother folks. Because God's word is alive and busy, sharper than any blade you've seen. It'll open you up to the point of separating your soul from your spirit. Get between the bone and the gristle. Show us where your mind really at. God ain't create nothing that can hide from him. Everything is out where he can see it. And it's him we got to answer to. Do y'all remember our pop quiz question? What does it mean to be saved? What is salvation? What if salvation is an invitation to rest? What if being saved is being rescued from the chaos that is caused by all of the sin around us and in us and placed into the rest that God has prepared for us? What if we are liberated from the grind trying to make stuff happen ourselves, free to rest in the green pastures that the Good Shepherd has already prepared. What if salvation is when God allows you to lie down in green pastures, leads you beside the still waters, restores your soul? What if that is what this is all about? What if that is what was accomplished on the cross? And what if I'm not making this up, but this is what the Bible is actually telling us? See, when we talk about whether salvation is works-based or faith-based, what we're really arguing about is whether this is something that we can do for ourselves or if we have to trust that God has already done it for us. We're arguing about whether or not we can accomplish this on our own or whether it is the faithfulness of God that has already enacted our salvation and prepared this rest for us. What if when we talk about God swearing that some people won't enter his rest, God is actually acknowledging a decision that we make, a hard-heartedness and a hard-headedness that we exhibit to try to do things on our own that God has already declared finished by the work of God? What if God appointing a new day or a new time for salvation is actually a manifestation of God's grace and acknowledging that though we may have failed to accept the last invitation to enter into the rest of God, that there is yet another opportunity that we can still just chill. What if obedience to God actually looks like trusting in the work of God? That from the beginning and the foundations of the earth called all things good. And instead of working ourselves and trying to build all of these new systems to fix things that are not broken, and breaking things in the process, building all of these hierarchies and these structures that create people who need things that we're not willing to address. What if instead of doing all of that, we actually looked back at what God called good, stewarded God's creation in a responsible fashion, didn't try to dominate other human beings, and actually let all of creation, humanity, the world around us enter into the rest that God not only designed but promised at the beginning of the foundations of the world. What if that's what obedience looked like? Isn't it amazing that the message of the resurrection is that as we watch the consequences of all the work we've put in, which is the inevitability of death, of torture, of barbarity, even to the most innocent and righteous among us, that's where our work gets us. But the message of the resurrection is always that 
just at the beginning of the world, the Spirit of God hovers over the chaos, speaks new life into dead situations. And so the work and the mission of Jesus Christ is actually to prepare a place of rest for us, even in the middle of whatever situations we find ourselves in. Jesus, the one who sleeps in the middle of storms, to the amazement of his disciples. Jesus, who can squeeze rest out of anywhere, it seems, came to prepare a rest for us when we were too hard-headed and too hard-hearted to enter the rest that was already made available to us. And so this word of God that is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, sharper than any blade we know that separates our soul from our spirit actually exposes the fact that sometimes we are so committed to this grind that we've inherited that we don't even know if we're prepared for the rest that God has designed us for. We don't know if we can be obedient in that way. All we know is toil. All we know is trust in our own work. It's hard to trust the God that we cannot trace. And so what if the true salvation, the true deliverance, the true liberation that we need is actually rest? We could take some of this burden off of ourselves and trust that God has already done the work for us. Let me pray with you. Almighty God who created good things for six days and rested on the seventh, who invites us into that rest. We ask that you might gift us the faith necessary to trust the work that you've already done so that we can enjoy what you have prepared for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Translation is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. You can follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. That's the number three, not spelled out, Black Men. You can find me on all social media platforms at Pastor Trey 05. That's Pastor Trey 05. Don't send me no Facebook requests, though. I don't be over there. That's the bad place. This work has been made possible by a community of folks who've chosen to show their support through generosity. You can join us at patreon.com slash three black men. Spell three out that time though. Patreon.com slash three black men. There you can find even more original content from Sam, Rob, and yours truly. Make sure you subscribe to, rate, and review the New Living Translation and Three Black Men wherever you get your podcast. And remember, real recognize real. Don't get caught looking unfamiliar.